I'm sure that when you walked into the chapel, the first thing you noticed was that very bright red light. Am I right? I see everyone looking at that bright red light next to the tabernacle. Uh, since we have spoken in the last few weeks a lot about symbolic language, I think I should at least say something about the symbolism there. You know the, the standard or the, the requirement of the church is to have a candle or a lamp burning before the Blessed Sacrament. So it's supposed to be a living flame. We haven't been able to manage that, so we always had a fake candle there. And we even had a little bulb that kind of flickered. Do you remember that? And after a while, that bulb, I don't know what happened to it. It got weaker and weaker and stopped flickering, and then it got dimmer. And it was hard to tell whether it was even on or off. So we finally realized, hey, that we have to replace that bulb. So our maintenance man got a, a bulb that fit into the socket, but it's quite bright, and it's obviously not a candle now. It's a bright red light bulb. Okay, if it, if it attracts your attention to the Eucharist, if it makes your heart burn brightly with love for the Eucharist, okay, then that's good. But we're, we'll look for something a little bit more candle-like as time goes on. But for now, it's, it's better to have a bright light than to have no light. In today's readings, we recognize that we don't get exactly what we expect immediately, so we can take the example of the candle or the fake candle as, a, as another example of how God's plan unfolds in time. In the first reading, we, and we accompany Noah after the flood, at least after the rain stopped, but it takes time for the flood waters to diminish. We get this impression that Noah's just waiting around, he sends out the birds, they come back, waits another week, does it again, waits another week. It's a, it's a process, and we're not really taken by surprise because we know that after natural disasters, even after the storm has blown away and we have nice weather, we still have a lot of uh, cleaning up to do. Or if you think of those terrible earthquakes in Turkey, uh, the earthquakes happened more than a week ago, but it's going to be a very long time to recover from the disaster. So that doesn't strike us as being unusual at all. It takes time to recover. Think of a surgery. Surgery only takes a few hours. The tumor is removed or the damage is, is repaired, but then it can take weeks to recover from the surgery. Sometimes people think that the surgery is worse than the original condition, but that's, that's the healing process. It takes time and we're used to that. But when we turn to the Lord and ask him for something, if we don't get it immediately, we seem to assume that something's wrong. And today's gospel reminds us that that's not the right way to interpret what happens. This gospel is about the healing of the blind man, but not immediately. It's a two-stage healing process, which gives us a lot to think about. It, it opens our eyes, we're not physically blind, but we're spiritually blind much of the time, it opens our eyes to the fact that God's way of doing things is not our way, and God's timing is not our timing. We understand God's timing when it comes to natural disasters and recovery, but we don't seem to understand it when it comes to our prayers and what we demand. We think he should simply do what we say 
completely right now. And that's obviously not true. Last Saturday we had a healing mass. Many of you were here. It was the World Day of the Sick. And so it was Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, so we had water from Lourdes. It was World Day of the Sick, so we prayed for the sick, and it was a healing Mass. So we had everything going for us for healing. We had special prayers for healing after the Mass. Some people didn't like it when I said that St. John Paul was not healed, and St. Bernadette was not healed, and that most people die of sickness. People didn't like that. Well, I don't know why. That's the truth. It's the truth. And I don't know if anyone experienced a miraculous healing last Saturday. Maybe the healing is taking place gradually. Maybe it started on Saturday and it will continue over time. I don't know that. Does that mean that something has gone wrong? No. It might simply mean that we don't understand what God is doing. Now, if we can accept that we don't understand what he's doing or we, can, or we don't know his timing, then we have faith. And faith opens a space in which God can work. But if we think that God should accommodate our demands, then we have weak faith. And when he doesn't do what we expect, our faith is shaken. So here's a man, he's blind. It doesn't say that the blind man asked for healing. It says that the people in the village brought the blind man to Jesus, and they're the ones who begged Jesus to touch him. So we don't know why that is. We don't know what the blind man wanted or what he was. What, we don't know the level of his faith. But we do know what happened. Jesus took him away from the crowd as if to say, I'm going to do this for this man, not simply because of the other people. Now, was it, did the crowd want to witness a miraculous healing? Was that the level of their faith? Or were they really compassionate for the suffering of the blind man? We don't know. But Jesus took the man off to the side. He does this uh, strange uh, gesture of putting spittle on his eyes and laying his hands on him. It's a very tangible, concrete gesture a little gross in modern, modern, modern sensibilities. You don't spit on people. But in the, in the mindset of the Jews, a spittle had to do with breath, and breath has to do with the spirit. So that was a way of conveying the divine healing spirit to the man. And the man, he asks the man, do you see anything? And the man says, well, I see people looking like trees and walking. So he can see. He's healed. And we say, well, yes and no. I mean, he's not blind, but he doesn't, he can't understand what he's seeing. And this tells us that there's more to healing than simply physical restoration. There's also an interior work that has to take place. And that's actually more important. To be able to distinguish between people and trees requires more than simply eyesight. It, it, it requires understanding. It seems to me that it, this, this, uh, this uh, experience of healing in a two-stage process 
tells us that God has more in mind for us than we understand. He has more, he's doing more for us than we comprehend. If we have faith, we can accept that. Okay, Lord, I, I accept that you're healing me, you're healing us, you're doing a great work, even though I can't see it, or even if I see it, I can't necessarily understand it. What looks like something bad to me might be a great thing in your eyes, Lord. What seems like a long time to me might not seem so long to the Lord. In any case, Jesus patiently puts his hands on the man again, on his eyes, and his sight is, not only his physical sight, but his inner sight is restored. It's simply a reminder to us that there's a lot more going on than we can see. Even in the case of the story of the flood, now we only read short excerpts from the whole story. If you read the passage from Genesis chapter 7, chapter 8, you see it's a little bit difficult to figure out exactly how much time Noah spent in the ark. Because one verse will say it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Then it says that he stayed in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it says that on the seventh month, he opened the hatch. Well, wait a minute, seventh month is a lot more than 40 days. And so there's this confusion about how long this really lasted. Now, maybe the, the rain lasted 40 days, but how long was he really floating around on the surface of the water? 40 days? 80 days? A year? It's not that clear. Why? Perhaps because our experience of time is so limited, our understanding of time is so limited, we think 40 days is this amount and a year is that amount, and if we're suffering for 40 days, it feels like a year. And if, and if something good happens over the course of a year, it feels like it went by in 40 days. For God, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as a day. It doesn't make any difference to him how long it takes, because he doesn't experience it that way. So uh, it's good to reflect on that level of what God is doing and what God is experiencing, if you could say it that way, because it, it opens our the space of our faith to accept what he's doing, even when we can't see it or we can't understand it. The last advice of Jesus to the man after he can see clearly and understand clearly is do not even go into the village. Did the man understand why Jesus told him that? Probably not. Do we know why God gives us indications of what he wants us to do? Probably not. What's the best thing to do? Obey. Obey in faith. Trust that he's directing us in the right direction. Perhaps he should not go into the village because those people would simply distract him or, or, or make him misunderstand again what God is doing. Perhaps it's because he had a mission elsewhere. Perhaps he, he had people at home he should attend to. Jesus sent him home, not into the village. We don't know. But we do know that what God is doing is good even if we don't see it or fully understand it. So, as we reflect on how God's plan unfolds in time, whether it's happening quickly, whether it's happening gradually, whether it's happening in our perception at all, we can trust in the goodness of God. He's here to cleanse us, 
to heal us, to save us, to make it possible for us to walk in the light 